0: jay mahasudhay nayala om As it is well known, as it is Gita well is spoken by Lord Shri Krishna, the Supreme However, this particular verse is not that we are reading today is not spoken by Krishna spoken by Arjuna. However, this verse is very important to teach us how we should understand what Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita. Srila Prabhupada's introduction to the Bhagavad Gita is quite extensive. And finally, the whole subject matter of Bhagavad Gita is summarized in Srila Prabhupada's introduction. In his introduction, Srila Prabhupada instructs us how we should understand Bhagavad Because in reading any book we can approach it with different attitudes. We may take it as uh, something entertaining. Mostly people want something entertaining. Or we can take it as, well Krishna, he's got some maybe got some ideas which are quite good so I'll see what Krishna has to say. Krishna, he's known as a good philosopher. I'm also a good philosopher, so let's see if his ideas are as good as mine. One can also read Bhagavad Gita for the purpose of passing an examination. Some people read it for the sake of criticizing. It. There may be some uh, people who like that too. They, they are against what they consider Hinduism what they consider so, you know, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. So, Prabhupada, in the introduction of Bhagavad Gita, he instructs how we are to understand Bhagavad Gita, if we are actually to get the real benefit from reading it. Okay. And he quotes this verse, specifically the first two lines of this verse. Sarvam yeah. oh, of Krishna, Arjuna says, I fully accept as truth everything that you say. And let us consider what Arjuna's position. Uh, Arjuna was a very moral person, very religious person. He believed in doing good and being good. He was very sensitive to the feelings of others. And he wanted to act in a way that would be nice. So he said to Krishna at the beginning, before the battle of Kurukshetra, that Krishna, I don't want to fight you. It will not be good. It will not be nice. It will not be moral. People will become unhappy. He gave many good reasons for not fighting. In reply, Krishna told him that he was a nonsense a fool and a What do you call it? Buddha. Buddha. Buddha I means intelligent. So Arjuna, he was, uh, he must have been shocked by this. And, uh, I'm just uh, speaking very morally and in a very good way and very religious. So, how is it that Krishna is chastising? Then Krishna went on to explain that uh, goodness, niceness, morality and all these kind of things on the mundane platform, they are not actually good or nice or moral. They are actually uh, foolishness and nonsense and lustful. Exactly why that is so, Krishna explained. That everyone in this material world is in the illusion that we are these bodies. And goodness and niceness and morality are on the based on the principle that we are these bodies and we are here to enjoy them, is actually enviousness, enviousness of Krishna and therefore foolishness and blasphemy and nonsense. That real knowledge begins with understanding that we are not these bodies but eternal servants of Krishna. And any attempt to be good without recognizing this principle is... Uh, a mis- uh, a dangerous misconception. In this regard, Srila Prabhupada often gave the example of the honest thieves, who, moral thieves, that after stealing and taking away so much money, they sat down together and said, now we should divide this morally and fairly among ourselves. You know, we shouldn't cheat each other, we should be very straightforward and fair in dividing this money. So the defect in this is obvious, isn't it? That the, all, the very principle of what they're doing is immoral. So then, afterwards, to talk about uh, to talk about uh, dividing it morally, it's uh, the whole thing is hypocrisy. Now, in this material world, everyone is here due to you know, being Christian. Krishna says, everyone is born in this material world due to desire, perverted desire, and envy. And everyone is in an illusion. Everyone is born in this way. So the basic principle of material existence is envy of Krishna. And on the, on the basis of that, everyone is envious of everyone else. And everyone is trying to exploit everyone else. Everyone is uh, trying to enjoy their senses in this material world, except so Krishna... So basic the, the basic situation in this material world is that we are all immoral. So having rejected Krishna, and then we say we'll live in this material world very morally, there's no real meaning to such. A state. Morality in this material world is an arrangement whereby people live together without disturbing each other's sense gratification too much. In other words, they think, well, to be like Hitler or Stalin is that's very bad see it's causing so much suffering and pain to others. But we should live very fairly among ourselves. Give everyone a fair chance to enjoy sense gratification. It's very interesting that people who talk about fairness and morality and all these things, often when they're given a position of power, then they become just like some mini Hitler on which suggests that their idea of fairness is because they're too weak compete with others, so they say, no, no, we should be very fair and share it with. But actually, the, the, the tendency is there to exploit. And that's why it said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. In modern society, in the, the democracy, they're always trying to make some system by which no one can become too powerful and everyone checks everyone else. That means that no one trusts anyone, actually. Because they know as soon as someone gets too much power, it will smash us. But actually, this saying, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's, that's actually not correct. We have so many examples in the Vedic literature of, of great kings, like Yudhishthira Maharaj and Ambarishthira Maharaj, who had power over their citizens, but they were not corrupt, because they were Krishna conscious. Yes, they had no motive to exploit others. So power doesn't corrupt, it just gives an opportunity for people whose hearts are corrupted, to, to have the opportunity to be good. So Arjuna was acting on the uh, uh, on the platform of a worldly nice person, but Krishna shocked him and told him that this worldly niceness is another kind of cheating. As well. Krishna told him, if you really want to be good and nice, you go and fight and kill all these people. And this doesn't sound as if it makes any sense. But Krishna explained that, anyway everyone has to die. And uh, these persons, anyway they're destined to die on this battlefield, whether you kill them or not, due to their karmic reactions. Now sometimes people in the West say that, well, this is a very dangerous philosophy because, Bhagavad Gita is, uh, it is condoning and encouraging wholesale violence. And that's actually not true. We've never seen in the the history of India that anyone uh, waged war, or engaged in genocide, citing Bhagavad Gita. That was a special circumstance that Arjuna was in. It was a very extreme circumstance. And uh, Krishna used Arjuna as an example of how one must transcend all worldly ideas of niceness and goodness and come to understand our true spiritual position. It does not condone or encourage uh, violence, unnecessary violence. Uh, people may say, but this sounds like a very heartless kind of philosophy. Now this has to be understood very carefully, that uh, Krishna is known as the reservoir of pleasure and the supreme loving person. Then how is it that Krishna is recognized? Arjuna to engage in such horrible activities as killing. Well, that was Arjuna's dilemma. Actually, he was trained for as a kshatriya fighter. So, it's actually required in human civilization that some people be trained to fight. Because uh, unless there is some restraint, then uh, unscrupulous people will take advantage and exploit others. Just like some years ago in Canada, I think it was. That The police went on strike, and immediately people came up with the... As soon as people found out, they came bringing all their cars and their trucks and came up to the shopping center, smashed all the windows and stores. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. they knew there was no restraint on them. So, uh, because there always will be such wicked elements in society, therefore it is required that out of fear of punishment, there be uh, people... Inflict that punishment, they can protect the citizens from such rascal people. So that means when the time comes, when uh, the punishment is required, then they must be willing to inflict it also. Yes. So a martial class is required in civilized society. Without that, there can be no protection of civilization. Now Krishna uh, told Arjuna, you have to fight Because the opposite party, they want to uphold godless principles. So, in this situation, Arjuna was obliged to point to uphold religious principles. Actually, by Krishna's mercy, because he was present there, even all the soldiers who were killed, they all got liberation. But the important point here is that Arjuna, he went through a total revolution of consciousness all his ideas of what it means to be good and nice he had to change he understood that everything ultimately has to be understood from the spiritual platform now when we say understanding from the spiritual platform generally people consider this to be something very vain spiritual means that uh, you sit and cross-legged and look at the tip of your nose and say om until you fall asleep Something, something. Or you light some incense. That's very spiritual, isn't it? But what is spiritual knowledge is being described in Bhagavad Gita, And Krishna is clearly delineating what is spiritual knowledge. It is not vague. People who want to avoid what are the facts of spiritual life, they try to make it very vague. Usually, they like to say that, well, everything is part of the Cosmic Oneness. Which, if you think about it, it doesn't really mean anything to say that. And if you ask, well, what does that mean, the Cosmic Oneness? They say, it is not expressible by words. And you ask, well, what are you talking about? But, Don't disturb the harmony. So, uh, people, they, they like to make spiritual life sound vague. vain. And usually such people, they're also quite expert at enjoying the material world also. But Krishna is not giving any vague knowledge to Arjuna. Arjuna is a very practical person. He's trained to fight, not to sit and gaze at his nose. He wants to know what is reality? What is my ultimate duty? So Krishna explained what is spiritual knowledge? Why he should act on that platform? How he should act on that platform? The first thing to be understood, what is soul? What is the difference between the body and the soul? Who is the Supreme Soul? What is our relationship with the Supreme Soul? So actually it's very simple. That Krishna is the Supreme Person of the Earth and we are all his eternal servants. And if we do what Krishna says, that is the perfection of learning. So here Arjuna says, Veda whatever you say, Krishna, is true. Now it's not that Arjuna was a blind follower. Krishna explained spiritual knowledge to him. But what is significant is Arjuna's attitude in hearing from Krishna. He so Prabhupada quotes this in his introduction to Prabhupada. That we uh, those who are desirous to get actual benefit from reading Bhagavad Gita, they must have the same attitude as our children, that we must be uh, very sincere to understand what is the ultimate truth, Mm -hmm. and we should be willing to accept the authority of Krishna. Again, that doesn't mean that blindfold. It's just like, for instance, if you go to a college, uh, if we want to learn, then basically we have to accept the lecturer or the professor as an authority. Uh, We may not understand everything he says. If we don't understand, we can ask him to clarify. But there has to be a a basic submissiveness and and acceptance that he knows, I don't know, I'm here to learn. So in the same way, Arjuna's attitude towards Krishna was that Krishna, you know, I don't know, I'm here to learn. And actually if we approach Bhagavad Gita with this attitude, we can learn everything about spiritual life. We can make our lives fully perfect by taking knowledge from Bhagavad Gita. If we take it as it is. Who's that? Sai Bhagavad Rasa. They're not taking Bhagavad Gita as it is. So don't become a Bhagavad Rasa. Take Bhagavad Gita as it is. Many people, they want to take Krishna's words and twist it for their own sense right? And it may seem very spiritual. But actually, it's offensive to Krishna. While it may sound the same chanting, but yeah. the chanting of a genuine devotee and the chanting of those who make some supposed competitive to Krishna is a very great difference. The great difference is that that chanting that is false, that is offensive to Krishna. So, if we take Bhagavad Gita as it is, then we can understand everything about. Spiritual and genuine. Who is Krishna? Who are we? What is our relationship with Him? How to act in that relationship? And how to thus attain the perfection of love, which is to become pure devotee of Krishna, free of all material desires. So actually the, the whole process is very, very simple. The, some aspects of the philosophy of Krishna consciousness can be somewhat complex. But the basic principles are very very simple. Simply like Arjuna, we have to accept what Krishna says is correct and follow. And it may take a little time to become purified because we all have so many contaminations from previous worlds. But if we uh, follow the words of Krishna as given in Paramahara, and if we are sincere to do so, then definitely we can become foolish. Standard example is this. That if the guru is bona fide and the disciple is also bona fide, then uh, the joining of guru and disciple is successful. The guru is bona fide means tasmāt guruṃ pravartne jagyān sishyam, śānte karayām śnātam manām śrīmāśrayam. That one should uh, yeah the guru is bona fide means that he should be uh, fully versed in the message of the Vedic literatures and fully fixed in the knowledge of the Vedic literatures, and should be uh, absorbed in service to the Supreme Lord, having taken full shelter of Krishna. And bona fide disciple is also intimately with this verse. tasmād gurīn should surrender to the Guru. tasmād means having understood that this material world is all nonsense. Simply, it, was, it was simply full of misery. And having understood this, one should inquire from the Guru about the topmost benefit of that. The example is given that if a man is potent and a woman is fertile, uh, by their joining together, then a child will be produced. The same thing the Guru should be teaching Bhagavad Gita as it is. And the disciples should be very sincere to understand the problems or or why why this doesn't happen, why? and not become Krishna conscious. Either the guru is not teaching Bhagavad Gita as it is, or the disciple is not very sincere to accept it. So often we find that people that are teaching some kind of imitation of Bhagavad Gita as it is. And many people are attracted to them, as Prabhupada said. There are many cheaters in this world, and people who want to be cheated, they are attracted to them. Now, often... The The path of Krishna consciousness may seem very similar to the goodness and niceness and morality that Krishna told Arjuna was all nonsense. Now we're not against goodness and niceness or morality per se. We definitely recommend that it's better to be polite to people rather than going around and stabbing them. But on the other but on the other hand, simply to be good and nice and polite and sensitive and all this kind of thing without a, a clear sense of surrender to Krishna, is only going to keep us within this material world. So again, it's like the morality of thieves. It's like the, the, the prisoners in the prison, some of them, they're all murderers and dacoits and thieves, and, and they're all in the prison. And let's be nice to each other. But uh, often people, they misunderstand this, this goodness and niceness to be synonymous with spiritual life. But from Bhagavad Gita we can understand that to be fully Krishna conscious sometimes that means uh, transgressing the so-called goodness and niceness of this material world. Just like for instance uh, many young men like to join our Krishna consciousness movement. And if they are serious to do so we encourage them. And not unusually their parents come crying or shouting saying this is not very nice. Your mother loves this. Uh, the mother loves this boy very much, and she cannot live without him. And why are you being so cruel, taking him away, and so on and so on? Of course, uh, we often see in such cases that uh, if their boy was to get a job in America and was to send them five thousand dollars a month, they wouldn't complain about not seeing him. But if he joins the Krishna Conscious Movement. Uh, they become very upset and they cannot live for a day without seeing. Him. So, this is not very nice. See, the mother is feeling so much pain in the heart and they don't think it's very good. I wanted my son to be a, a pilot or, or at least a bus driver or something like this. And why are you spoiling his life? So, it's not very nice. So, yeah, I don't think it's not very nice. From a material point of view. Of course, our aim is to save him from having any more mothers ever again. But materialistic people cannot understand it. And they think the Krishna conscious movement is very bad. So sometimes we think, well, we should present the Krishna conscious movement to be something very nice, so that everyone will accept it. And we think that, well, if we just preach Krishna conscious the way Krishna preaches it, well, it's a little extreme. So that's actually a fact. From the material point of view, Krishna consciousness is extreme. Just, you know, even in the way of life we lead, no intoxication, including coffee. So people think this is, this is very extreme. This is going against our cultural traditions. In Croatia, we all drink beer and wine and all those things. And our fathers did, our grandfathers, all of them. And Why do you want to stop? This? It's going against our noble cultural traditions. So, uh, if we think that we have to adjust Krishna consciousness so that it will be acceptable to materialistic people, we could end up drinking coffee, if not other things. Or we could lose our Krishna consciousness. We could lose our focus. Just like in this verse, Krishna says, Sarvam etabritam, everything, Sarvam, everything you say, Krishna, not that, well, Krishna, what you said is pretty good. I'm impressed. Of course, I don't accept what you say, but it's pretty good. Okay. I agree with some of the things you say, but you didn't quite get it right. I think i we'll have to think of some other things. Prabhupada warns, don't take Arjuna's take eyes think that, well, you know, Prabhupada, he was also pretty good, but he didn't really teach us the right way. So, we have to invent some other you know, If We go out and ask people to surrender to Krishna. Then most people don't like that, so we should don't tell them that exactly. If we're going to preach Krishna consciousness as it is, definitely most people are going to like it. But if we don't preach Krishna consciousness as it is, then no one will ever take to Krishna consciousness as it is. If we preach that, well, you know, Krishna consciousness like this, like that, just a little bit this way, that way, no. no however way you like it, and it's not Krishna consciousness, then it's Maya. That's the uh, modern idea. That you take, you take a little bit from here, take a little bit like that, you know, like a buffet system. You take a little bit from Krishna, a little bit from Baha'i, a little bit from Saint Read a few books about astrology and Vastu, and you know, you be Krishna conscious in your own way. You know. I discovered that all the problems in, in my life are because I have a window on this wall. No. Therefore I should spend two thousand kuna to move into the other one. No. This is the solution. No. Solution that all our problems in our lives are because we don't surrender to Krishna because we are mascots. This is the problem. So there are very there are various ways in which we can avoid Krishna. The only problem with this is that we don't get Krishna, and then we get all other kinds of problems. We may think that while surrendering to Krishna, that's quite difficult. It's too much of a problem to surrender to Krishna. But so it may be that the only problem with this proposition is uh, that if we don't surrender to Krishna, we get all other kinds of problems, such as uh, birth, death, old age, and disease, various kinds of miseries, and the army and dying, being voted. I guess, you yeah. mm-hmm. uh, know, and uh, then we think, you know, uh, I have to move the window to the other wall. And that's not positive. You, you have the window this side, the other side, and the other side, still so you have to die. And if you don't think of Krishna when you die, then you're going to go back into another wall. Maybe you'll get born in a hospital which has been perfectly designed according to Vastu. And you can come out of the womb screaming and yelling, covered with stool, in a perfect environment, you bastard. So, we're not against bastard, it is a fide Vedic science, but it's not the, it's not the solution to our problems. It's, if we think like that, it's part of the problem. If we think there's any solution except Krishna consciousness, then that is the problem. Therefore, we simply have to accept our Bhagavad Gita as it is. And usually I give this kind of class and think, Oh, and say, oh that's a Bhakti Dikastra put, you know, put a label on it, stick it in a bottle, and put it on the wall and forget it. And you know, that's just him. And, you know, if you like, you can follow that. And if you don't, you follow some else. So that's true, you can do whatever you can But if we don't surrender to Krishna, whether I say it or anyone else says it, it's not me, but if you don't, if you don't surrender to Krishna, then we simply end up getting born again, and dying again, and born again, and dying again, and we don't get Krishna. And even if you know, you listen to so many wonderful stories of Krishna dancing with the gopis, and you sing very sweet bhajans, or maybe not very sweet, you have a, the uh, Hare Krishna heavy rock book. <laughs> <laughs> Western American culture. So we can do all these things, but unless we're very serious to uh, surrender to Krishna, to give up material attachments, to follow the process of Krishna consciousness given by the Acharyas, then we won't get Krishna. So Arjuna here is expressing his full faith in Krishna, and that's all that's required, full faith. But the faith, it's not just simply a matter of talking about it, but we actually have to practice in our lives. Which is very simple, very nice, very pleasing. That is Krishna consciousness. But then if we mix it up with other things, it, we may think, well, that's, that's even better. But actually, whatever we do, if we don't take the Krishna consciousness very seriously, uh, trying to surrender to Krishna, then it's not actually it's not what Krishna taught, it's not what Prabhupada taught. It's not yeah. what any bona fide alternative teaches, any more natural. So I'm just speaking like this because it's uh, it's very common nowadays that people come to ISKCON and it's like this kind of smorgasbord attitude. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's so many different books on sale and you know you just kind of take it the way you feel. And Become very concerned with our own psychological problems and so on and so on. And we become so involved in so many peripheral approaches that we forget that the very simple, straightforward thing is to follow the path given by Prabhupada, given by the Acharya. You simply follow that and go to Krishna. So, I'm recommending the Sarvamita Vidhampani process. Just accept Krishna as he is. How can we know Krishna as he is? Through Bhagavad Gita as it is. Through the process that Prabhupada is. There's no need to change anything. There's no need to add anything. There's no need to take anything more. Everything Prabhupada has given us is completely perfect. We become fully Krishna conscious and perfect in one. Hare Krishna. I thought I'd get claps. Thank you for your comments. But actually I didn't come to get claps. See? Yeah. Is there any question? Why don't we go and join the kids? Maybe go in there and preach to them? Maybe we could sell them some Jesus. We'll go in there afterwards after they finish their own discipline. You don't have to tell them, sorry, that no, you was know, let them just take it off well. And that will benefit them. Often they take it off well. Any question? Nothing, that means everyone is sarvamita every they, they don't accept everything I said. Nothing else.